What's going on, everyone? I'm about 24 hours away from getting on a plane with friends of the show, Gabby and Shane, for the three of us to go see our fourth half and guest of this week's episode, Ricarda Eichenberg. I don't have much to say before we get in, just the basics. The glossary for this week's episode, as well as the content warning, will be at the bottom of the description. So definitely check those out before and during the show. The glossary this week is a little hefty. A lot of basic, simple terms to understand, but quite a few there. Me and Ricardo get real inside baseball about some of the things that happened in our home campaign. That's all I'll say before we get going. Let's do it. Let's roll. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of Character Build. Today, we have a very special guest. I say that about all of my special guests, but today we have a special guest in particular who has been known to be, uh, what did we call her in my first episode? Our third half or our fourth, uh, the fourth half. The fourth half of our little group. Uh, I have my very close personal friend and wonderful D&D enthusiast, Ricarda Eichenberg, on the show. Ricarda, say hi to the folks listening. Hi to the folks listening. <laughs> There we go. Ricardo, thank you so much for being on Character Build. You and I have talked at length about D&D. We've actually played, you and Gabby and Shane are the people I've played with the most by far. Ditto, yep. So this is going to be a lot of fun to get into. I wanted to just start at the very top. I don't know, have the people get to know you a little bit and start sort of from the beginning. Like, what were your first, (laughs) what were your first encounters with performing or or even just games like board games competition in that way playing characters and you know I guess when did they get in the same lane as each other that's a great question so to answer that first part a little bit I think I've always loved just kind of playing pretends and like you know dressing up and getting my friends together and imagining storylines and playing. I've done that always. (laughs) I can't remember a time where I didn't do that. I've always enlisted my brother in playing pretend with me and dressing up and just having fun too. (laughs) You know, I don't know how he felt about it, but (laughs) (laughs) he went along and we like played, um, do you know Playmobil? I don't know if this is a German thing, but it's like little figurines. It's like Lego, but cute and like rounded, but. Oh, like Playmobil? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, yeah. I've encountered it in my childhood. Yeah. We had so much of it. We had like a stable, a castle. We had an airport. Like we had just so many different an like airports. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. With a plane and everything. But we would just play pretend with our little Playmobil people and like create stories. And it was like all intertwined. It didn't make sense, but that's what we spend hours doing. So I think that's kind of where it started. And then growing up, we always on Christmas, we had little like, you know, tell the Christmas story. And it's like, this really kind of, I mean, obviously, I'm sure it's like <laughs> below community theater. It's just, like, it's just like your church community puts on the Christmas story as part of the service. Um, I always participated in those. So I think the first role I ever played was Snowflake. <laughs> snowflake. Snowflake <laughs> number around. three? Or were you the main Snowflake? No, we, there was no main Snowflake, I don't think. We just like danced around and sang Perfect. a little a little Christmas song. <laughs> As someone who's directed more than three Christmas pageants at his childhood church when I was a teenager, I get exactly what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> it was 
fun. What can I say? We got a little chocolate treat at the end of every rehearsal. It was great. That's fabulous. No, it's yeah, actually it's it absolutely how you incentivize children into like, okay, yeah. you have to sing this hymn mm-hmm. and then I'll give you some chocolate. Uh, I remember weirdly, I got to play Albert Einstein in one of my Christmas. Before I started directing them, I acted that. Yeah, there was a Christmas pageant where it was uh, the three wise guys instead of the three wise men. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it was great. That's actually really funny. I, I totally, I totally ripped that costume from my church and just double it as a Halloween costume the next year, like 10 <laughs> months later. Yeah, it was, there was, there's actually quite a few pictures of me as Einstein from like ages 11 into 12. Like, I love, I love how they were like, you know what this Christmas story needs? Einstein. Yes. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> it, it needs some, it needs some, what is he even famous for? Uh, e equals MC squared. Oh, e, equal, e equals Merry Christmas squared. That's See, it. That we, it's all coming together. <laughs> it is. Now we have to write, like he was one of the supporting characters of that one. Now you and I have to write an Einstein-centric Christmas like, where was story. Einstein <laughs> when Jesus was born? I know they're not the same time frame, <laughs> but go with me. <laughs> I'm going with you. I'm on it. If anyone's going to invent a time machine, it's going to be Albert Einstein. <laughs> and so if anybody's going to inspire Santa's beard and classic look, it's going to be mm-hmm. Einstein. I'm traveling into the past and and Saint, and Saint Nick is like, that guy's mustache was pretty rad. I think I'm going to just really run with that. I'm really going to go with it. This thing's really writing itself. Lead uh, into that. Yeah, we got to be careful or else we're going to start getting scabbed by big companies to write during this writer's strike. Oh we're being too creative right now. Too creative. Yeah, we too can't creative. do that. Can't do that. Uh, but real quick about the, the Playmobiles. That's so interesting. I did yep. a, a version of that. As, do you know what Bionicles are? no they're like so they they were they were this really elaborate you got like a tube almost like a pringles tube of 50 pieces and each piece was a leg or a joint or a foot or the mask or a face or the back and you had to put them together and it was instructions i never ever used the instructions and i very quickly realized that the bionicle pieces probably because they were owned by the same company i don't know uh were literally compatible with legos so I just That's had a fun. bucket of 20 different Bionicles and 20 different Lego packs all in one. And that was my version of the Playmobil thing. That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely amazing. That's um, so fun. I love, I love that. I mean, I still have so much nostalgia for that, but yeah, that was my I mean, jam for so long. And we would get like a new set for Christmas, you know, and it was like a combined present for my brother and I often, and we would spend Christmas well Christmas for us is the 24th so we'd spend Christmas like with my dad just like building the different pieces and like building it all together and then on like the next morning we would just play all day and like that's what we did to keep ourselves busy when my parents were like trying to sleep in on the weekends we were just in our rooms playing <laughs> that's amazing yeah that's that's that big sibling energy that is a <laughs> such a unique wonderful nostalgia I remember playing with my sisters too like some similar fashion so wh- wh- when did gaming come in? Like, I know that you've always been a very inquisitive person since I've mm-hmm. known you. You've always been into games. But when did that start for you? I think board games have always kind of been around. I've played a lot of board games with my family and specifically my dad and my brother. So, but that wasn't, you know, the character type of board games. That was just like your standard board games, you know, Catan, Pillars of the Earth, like those Ooh. types of board games, really fun stuff cards we've always played a lot of cards as well 
Um, what are you a rummy family? You're a so I am not, but my mom, my dad are huge into rummy. Like that's what oh, yeah. they played so much on like all of our Italy vacations. It was crazy. So I have a very strong like connection to that game without ever actually having played it. <laughs> that's excellent. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> no, I would play like really simple ones. Like I don't, I, these probably won't make any sense, but Mau Mau and oh, there were some other ones that I just can't remember the names of, but they were just kind of random group card games. Oh, sure. What's Mau Mau about? What's... I cannot remember. No? I remember playing a lot of it, and I cannot remember the rules. I was just thinking about that as I was saying it out loud. I was like, I cannot explain what this is. <laughs> no, that's fair. Absolutely fair. And for folks who are listening, there might be just some things that you reference, especially from teenage years and childhood, because you, uh, you grew up in Germany, correct? Yes. Yeah, that's correct. Until I was 17. And then wh- where, where'd you go from there? Uh, Canada right after that for about a year and a half so went to school you know grew up in Germany went to school for a couple of years in Canada and then we came to the states where I went to college there you go and that's where a little we bit met. of everything a little bit of everything a little bit of, uh, little bit of three country two continent before the age you know? of 18 yeah coming into the U.S. A lot is to be said about that these days, but back then when we were all, you know, budding to be <laughs> you, and it was, yeah, back in the day before, like before politics ruined our mental health <laughs> and before fascism took over mm. in our brains, it was there, but we didn't know about it. <laughs> we didn't acknowledge uh, it. We didn't, there you go. We didn't acknowledge it. There's people that are younger than we were then now acknowledging it in such a more profound way. But at that point, we were just chilling. You know, we were just trying to be decent. Hanging out, having a good time. Having a good time, (laughs) doing some theater, doing some, yeah. (laughs) So I guess it's, and if the answer is no, I can totally cut this part out. But uh, is there, (laughs) can you like identify a difference in, you know, culture or in, in popularity from Germany to Canada to America in terms of what games were really like in season or in flux or what games you played while you were in wherever you were living? Yeah. And I don't know if this is not an interesting answer, please feel free to cut it out. But I don't know. It's one of those things where I don't know if it's cultural difference or if it's just different stages of my life different because I can't necessarily pick those apart. Like some experiences I've only had in Germany, but it's a very certain, you know, like childhood Mm. and adolescence and then there's certain experiences I've only had in the states but that's like adult me so some of them I'm not sure if it's culture or just life stages but it's a fair point I didn't even think about as somebody who's never left the country that was very obtuse of me to even like yeah no that that's fair actually I yeah well I just yeah so sometimes I I don't know so I don't want to like attribute something to culture when it's just oh no I just you know wouldn't have been interested in those things at different times of my life but anyway so in Germany was a lot of board games and a lot of just like we did have like a acting class in school and I say that with the biggest quotation marks because it was like 90 minutes a week and it was really all improv and it wasn't acting or anything we didn't really learn anything it was just like an elective like you could do that or you could do music or something and I just always left the idea of you know let's go have fun so that's what I did in Germany to a very limited amount like so limited so small and then in Canada I think we added on the layer of actually having theater class every single day so for the whole year and a half I lived there I went to theater class for you know it was like every single day for a couple of hours and we you know wrote plays in the class and performed them so obviously it's still high school theater 
but very much more time was spent on it and I got to explore it much more. And I actually think my love for theater is deeply rooted in the fact that it was so instrumental and so important in me getting a footing in Canada and in a country where the language was different and there was a lot of language barriers and just, you know, it was tough. So it was, it was really instrumental in that, that there was just phenomenal people in that class. It was just such a safe space. And I think that's something I always come back to. It's such a safe, or it often creates a safe space. And it let me, you know, try and fail and not feel bad and learn the language and, and try different things. And um, met some people that I'm still in contact with and forever grateful for, for, you know, not being scared to say, hey, that's actually incorrect. <laughs> Can you try saying it this way? So I think that's when I really started to, you know, have that affinity for theater and then didn't really play any games or video games or anything at that time. Um, and then when it came to the States, it was theater, video games, played a lot of Overwatch for a while. Mm. And then obviously was introduced to D&D and tabletop games by Gabby, actually. So she's the Ooh. one who really got me into it. I yeah. did not know that, actually. Oh, yeah. I, uh-huh. <laughs> wow. Uh, to double back really quick, I yeah. truly, just, I lament that I'll probably never be able to read anything that you wrote in that class. I'm obsessed with... <laughs> my close friends ever writing anything and me wanting yes. to read it i'm obsessed so that's something that i'll have to deal with that i never be able to write, uh, read those you know we uh, did write a play that was called Picatum, and it was about the seven deadly sins and i i partnered with two other girls and we wrote the lust section oh <laughs> so wow wild wow you know pretty okay this is a pretty wild like loop around but and it never happened but uh my last year which is actually the first year at parkside so we had already known each other for yep. a couple of years my first year at parkside was my last year as the pageant director of my old church and i had got i had gotten uh, i think three christmas pageants under my belt as a director and then i had uh successfully mounted one easter pageant so oh my, my god an easter <laughs> An Easter pageant, yeah, because I wanted to do oh more than God. one theater production a year, right? Because yeah. we had a lot, of, a lot of Sunday school kids and nothing to do with them besides singing hymns. So anyway, it had gotten to the point where like me and the pastor at the time were like shopping scripts for the next Easter pageant because we were pouring more time and resources into like, let's make this a bigger thing. Let's, let's actually try to say something. Let's find a script we really connect to. And there was one about the seven deadly sins that I was going to- like Easter? It was like a- it was like, well, no, so it wasn't okay. Easter. Okay. I was, <laughs> like, oh my God. It was not Easter. <laughs> Where's the connection? I, as a, you know, as a, and I say this, like I was young or something. I was, I'm, I'm barely older than I, than I was then now. I'm 29 now. I was 24 then, but pretty much a different person. My 24 year old me was like, cool. So Christmas, there's so many things associated with Christmas. Let me find something that's opposite of Christmas. And that's going to be Easter. Right. Uh, so I just found the least Christmassy, most interesting thing I could find that was still PG rated. And it was like literally this script was from like a catalog of uh, like pageant scripts for Christian churches. Like this is a Presbyterian church I was in. So like pretty yeah. much Presbyterian, but pretty much non-denominational Christian church. And it was about the seven deadly sins and it never got off its feet. But I really was eager to to 
bring that to like I want it to be a little edgy you know yes um, you know like thinking of like oh let me put these high schoolers in a you know because those are who are that's who I was directing is just a bunch of high schoolers oh uh, we were high schoolers too yeah yeah and like we it was even 11th had, grade I'm pretty sure yeah there you go exactly so that's just <laughs> so funny that that we both have experiences <laughs> writing and event. directing <laughs> a canon <a> can- <laughs> We have a canon event about the uh, performing theater about the seven deadly sins when we're that. Oh, God, that's so funny. (laughs) So obviously theater takes up more space as you come into the U.S. And you just barely right after me and a few other of our friends come to Parkside, like literally the year after Mm -hmm. me. So we pretty much all went there from our junior college into our undergrad college together. And now that I know that Gabby introduced you to D&D, this is actually even more important because obviously our theater education plays a huge part into how we play. We're very role play heavy table in our home game, which is you, me, Gabby from Character Build Episode 1 and our infamous, I'm just giving him (laughs) that title, DM or GM, Shane. The four of us, obviously like our theater background informs how we play and what is fun to us. But now that I know that your tabletop experience literally Mm -hmm. started because of people that we met in theater school. Yes. Yeah. It's just, it's just a nice little bow. That's. Yes. It started with Gabby saying, oh, there's this really cool podcast called Adventure Zone. You should listen to it. And so my very first experience with D&D was the Adventure Zone, which is wild because, I mean, it's by the McElroy brothers. And when they started that whole campaign they did not know how to play D. so that's a very no. funny first introduction to D as a fellow person who did not know anything about D at the time actually yes and i listened to adventure zone <laughs> way after i knew how to play and way after i had experienced like critical role in d20 dimension 20 but i agree <laughs> that's wild <laughs> but i loved it like the 11th hour arc is so good but yeah so that was my very first introduction and then gabby once again was like, hey, you should check out this little podcast called NatPod. <laughs> and now I'm like deep in that fandom. So Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, Although wow. I think, and I could be wrong about this. So Gabby, please speak up if I am. Um, I think I introduced her to Dimension 20. Oh yeah, you got there first? I think I did. I think I found it on YouTube first before ever oh. subscribing to it. Because I think the first season of fantasy high was on youtube oh right okay yeah 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 yeah. because it yeah and it remains there now because that's how i'm getting people into into uh, dimension 20 20. hey this whole season's free on youtube go watch it (laughs) wow that's that's excellent uh so then you two just started nerding out with each other and showing each other stuff and learning that's how it starts Uh, and And so aside from the fact that you and Gabby and Shane introduced me to NADPOD, which for people who don't know is not another D&D podcast, which shares a few cast members with the first and main season of Dimension, the main cast of Dimension 20 Mm -hmm. on Dropout, uh, aside from the three of you introduced me to that, uh, you you very short-lived because it's right before you moved away from the Midwest, but you obviously remember you were in my very first ever D experience with fiona yes. yeah. as gm with you, I have you right here oh yeah oh there you go you're your orc barbarian <laughs> yeah 
You it's you did up. some damage in that character. You, oh, I still love smashing things. <laughs> you had some pretty wild magical items that was that were gifted to us by Fiona. Um, I also am pretty sure I rolled a nat 20 on an animal handling check on a random chicken that crossed my path. And then I just had Christy the chicken as you a did. familiar. Yeah. <laughs> it was so random. <laughs> random and yeah and i i also i forgot about christy the chicken until this oh, yeah. moment you can never she wore a little harness how could you <laughs> i remember the harness was a real point of of um was a real point of like what we wanted to do like, we got to a city and you were like okay where do i have to go to buy a harness for christy and christy was slightly more like christy was slightly more than your typical familiar they they just they were so devoted to you yes because i kept critting on animal handling i think there was at least two crits i think that was right after the after the second crit fiona was like this chicken is your baby now this chicken is your little companion god i forgot about christy oh yeah incredible my head rent free Oh wow, wow! I think Christy is, on, is the only familiar I've had too, and it was like just on random chance of like, oh, there's a chicken. Let me catch it. <laughs> oh wow! You kind of not even not even kind of. It's very different. You have like an adjacent familiar in our home game, a much more true. like powerful. That's true. Being. And they're awakened. Although, so it's a little different. That's true. Although I think he's, I think of him more so as a group familiar. I don't think of him as Nuali's familiar. I'm just That's the fair. one who happens to hold on to him. That's fair. I, I get that, that. I admit that Nuali, for many reasons, is the one who holds on to anything magically <laughs> yeah. significant. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get right into that, won't we? Uh, uh, I guess now's a better time as any. I'm, I'm realizing. And it's funny because you're the only one that's not an innate spellcaster of the three of us. Yeah. Because even Rygar, my barbarian, R.I.P. Rygar. Uh, R.I.P. indeed. Was a wild magic barbarian. So even yeah. he was more arcane than Nuali at the time. And Nuali at level eight, I think? Seven? Seven? Either way, high enough that, you, and you have some magical items and you have some abilities. Mm -hmm. you're, you're definitely magical and you're doing magical damage, but you can't like, you're not, you're not an innate spellcaster like my paladin no. is a half caster. And obviously Gabby's character Maisie is a full blown caster. Yep. So it's just funny that you are the steward of all of the magical items in our group. <laughs> <laughs> I guess where do we even begin here? Because I'm gonna get a little defensive real quick if we get, if we start if we don't start far back enough. Is what I'm gonna start say. far back. I'm let's like just jumping around. So put the rails on. <laughs> let's put the let's put the rails firmly on and go five below the speed limit as we make Keep our your way hands through. and feet in the coaster at all times. <laughs> at all times, or they will be torn off. Chopped uh, off. <laughs> Which is ironic because our characters all started with uh, a random left arm in a room. Yes. Oh, true. Yeah. Yeah. And now we're looking for the one-armed man. Uh, uh, scary ooh. guy now. So, yeah. He's one of our like side side baddies. Uh, but enough about the the plot. I want to talk about the inner conflict of our characters because why else are we here? Uh, <laughs> uh, and I'm going to eventually uh, loop this back and put it on you of, oh, how does this what does this say about Ricardo? The way the fact that Nuali is like this. But let's start with the drama, and we'll get there. Let's start with the tea. <laughs> what's the what's the most? <laughs> I can't believe we're getting into this history. It's like a pre, this is like a Real Housewives previously on. This is <laughs> previously, yeah. 
Oh, well, yeah, because of recent events, this is a hot button mm-hmm. topic. Hot topic. <laughs> hot topic. Uh, trip pants everywhere. So what's the, what's the, like the oldest, is it the mirror or did something happen before the magical mirror? Was that the first no, the, time the that mirrors, you all, the, yeah. was that the first one? Yeah. Okay. So actually it never happened with Rygar, my old character. It's only happened with our current party's iteration. Was it Bell with the mirror? Yes, it was. Yeah, it was like brand that was, new. That was when Bell was brand new to the group. That was truly like, I think my second or third yes. session as Bell. That's when we had uh, just met them. Yep. You, you had just met them and they, and we were, we were like making our way oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. out of the fort, out of the jungle. Yes. Uh, that's so true. Yep. Yeah. That was the first, <laughs> yeah, that was the first one. Because you two, you, uh, Ricardo, your character, Nuwali and Gabby's character, Maisie, the two of them were like, I think you were just like, things had just calmed down after defeating the demigod Aisa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the Wanti de- demigod, Wanti snake person, for those who don't know. And then immediately after that, saving everybody at the dock and then dealing with Rygar's passing. Yeah. In that saving of everyone at the dock. That was the first kind of downtime of like, oh, we've got some magical loot from this demigod. <laughs> And what happened? I want you to say it because I don't want anything that I say to be misconstrued by our good friend. Oh. <laughs> okay, so I think that at the time, Maisie actually had the bag of holding. I might be misremembering too, but I think Maisie actually was holding on to the group's bag of holding I that so, everything was in. Yeah, I think so. And there was this magical mirror and Maisie, Gabby's character, looked into it and then failed con or wisdom saves, definitely failed some saves and just started going crazy. And that was the first PVP we ever had that I think, or I've ever had too. I've never played PVP, like actual PVP. That was- Where we started fighting. Yeah, you and me were, she was scrambling and we had to get the mirror away from her. Yeah. And like running away and I had to catch her and like wrestle the mirror out out of Maisie's hands. And the problem was I was the good wrestler, but you were the good catcher. So like we had yes. to, and for some reason I couldn't, like I like none of my paladin spells, like I was either heal or kill. I had nothing, yeah. no nuance. And I still yeah, don't. Yeah, no smite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I couldn't smite because that would, yeah, that'd be bad. So there was no no nuance to my spell list because no, I was we either- lower levels too still. So we were kind of squishy. A little bit, yeah. A little squishier than we are now for sure with all of our magical items and- and um, I was I a level ahead of like y'all. Fourth. Yeah, I think you were not. sixth. I think you were. We sixth. were. Oh gosh. Okay. You had just. I, I don't ask me why I remember this junk. It's probably because Rygar too, and I just obsessed with this kind of thing for some reason. Uh, we had just because we were fifth level. We had just leveled oh. up to six okay. right after Perfect. defeating the demigod. Oh, because that's I remember right. Yeah. Rygar immediately took his level of bard and had it for <laughs> one and a half sessions. <laughs> Uh, before he died his sixth level he had five barbarian one bard because he He was he was like too helpful for his own good yeah yeah he was yeah he was a quick a quick tangent on rygar uh it's it's funny because actually this kind of comments on nuwali too nuwali had big beef with our ally our human ally caster i think yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, like, yeah, he was a dick. He was a dickhead. But he was helping us. We left us. him in charge of a city. Didn't feel great about that. No, I didn't. Hey, Rygar didn't feel great about it either. But I remember, I remember Rygar using his one and only bard spell slot to shake Caster's hand and cast, uh, I think, a cure wounds on him as yes. like a peace offering to just get the five of us to calm the hell down a, yeah. a long enough to escape. <laughs> And and because he didn't have that cure wounds, he wasn't able to heal himself or his sister. Now, do I think that one spell would have gotten both of them out of the situation? Him and his sister, the NPC? No, I think the him throwing himself literally into a burning building, as I've referenced in past episodes, <laughs> to save one wanty bartender yeah uh, was a bad decision that was tragic yeah tragic yeah and and for those who don't know he that the burning building's not what killed him he dragged i I had made the decision shane was very fair about rolling for debris and rolling for fire and rolling for smoke inhalation and we had gotten stuck under a set of stairs full flight of stairs we got stuck under it and i rygar acryl was like constantly healing rygar so he could get Acriel being the sister of the NPC, was constantly healing my character so we could get out of the building, and we did, but the sister of the NPC was down. So yeah. my character was dragging them away, and then a bunch of guards came, and Rygar went down Boromir style, just mm. four on 4v1, just in battle, you know? So and Rygar already is so weak. Yeah. Already so, like, I think down to like 12 or yeah, 10 hit low. points. No spell slots, no rages left. Well, and also Maisie and Nuali were just like off on a different mission. So there was no way we could, you know, reasonably come and help. I remember no. Gabby and myself being like, so can we roll like a perception? Like, do we hear anything? And she just being like, you can't hear a burning building. <laughs> like, come you on. can't hear a burning building and you can't hear uh, two dragonborn who are a million miles away, uh, which is an exaggeration yeah, but that's what it feels like like, like yeah. when it comes to traveling in initiative order and like how yeah. much you're able to travel per round it was never you two were never going to get back to me and you two were uh doing the thing our gm set out for us to do like <laughs> oh here's a thing y'all are going to do this this time around and i'm the one that peeled off so that was my that was my choice and it was deeply in character and it led to his death and uh well also uh, the dice though because Oh, for sure. It, it, it's it, just, like, you know, the dice tell their story. They do. And I, I always, the dice, for me, when I'm talking about this kind of stuff, for some reason, the dice become ghostwriters. Like, I don't ever credit them. Yeah. Like, Sawyer, in, in his episode of Character Build, talked about a certain situation where I killed off one of his characters. And I yeah. was kind of beating myself up about it, as you probably heard when you listened. And he was yep. like, no, that was the dice, as you just said. Yeah. The dice do tell their story. They sure do. They're yeah. ruthless too. They, they are ruthless, and <laughs> and a druid with the highest wisdom in the group failing their wisdom save when looking into a magic mirror, uh, another form of the dice telling their story. So yeah. back to that mess, uh, and I don't want to dwell on this too long, but I do want to get to the core of it. Uh, so yes, you've jacked my memory. I think we had to snatch the mirror back and yeah. somehow dispel Maisie's like trance that she was in from looking in it. Yeah. Think, and we oh, realized... I think we made her roll concentration or something. Like, I think we did damage to her to like trigger. Con- I think it was something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. It was something, yeah. something like something like that. And 
then I think the decision was made like, okay, Maisie will hold on to the money and Nuwali will hold on to the bag of holding. And then you had the <laughs> with bag from the it, magical item in it. With the magical item in it, which now includes <laughs> my character's deck of many things, oh, my yeah. character's choice, and uh, what I consider to be my character's ring that my character picked up after we defeated our BBEGG. That was not my character's choice because it was a two to one vote on who should hold it. And that uh, uh, Gabby's character and my character got into a really heated argument. It was actually so fun role yeah. playing that. Um, I want to well, actually. I it was know. PvP, but it was not your traditional like fighting, right? It was like all character PvP. It was role play PvP. Yeah. It really was. What was your perspective on that? Before we dive into Nuali's sort of perspective, what was Ricardo's perspective on that? Oh, my perspective? I thought it was really interesting. As Ricarda, I thought it was so cool and so fun. Well, because it's such a safe group, right? Like you guys yeah. are some of my like very closest friends. So it feels yeah. very safe to kind of just go and role play those like big emotions and arguments. And so I thought it was really fun from that perspective. Um, and for, I mean, Shane had to handle it. <laughs> it's like the NPC <laughs> being like, oh, hi. <laughs> but from Nuali's perspective, I thought it was actually quite difficult because Nuali was really torn, so torn. Because on one hand, she has more of an allegiance to Maisie, but also recognizes Maisie's flaws. And then Val is just newer to the group, so she doesn't know them quite as well. But also I think besides that, because I think Nuali definitely trusts Belle. I think it's just more so that she doesn't understand Belle's relationship with the Raven Queen quite yet and what that all entails. Mm -hmm. So I think it's more so the unknown that makes Nuali feel a little cautious around Belle still of just not knowing you know, what to do with them. But Nuali is also just such a strange person like she does not handle social interactions very well which makes her so fun for me to play because she's very <laughs> like just blunt and rude and weird like she takes any chance she can to just teleport behind someone and appear out of nowhere so for context yeah, Nuali is a <laughs> is a monk who took way of the shadow I think it's the actual like name of the subclass but she gains the teleport thing where she can like teleport from one shadow to the next as a bonus action and it's so fun but she uses it at length mostly outside of combat <laughs> she just like jumps around all the time so she just loves to appear behind someone and really spook them <laughs> it's it's been used ad nauseum but i still think it's hilarious every time so i <laughs> hope nuali never stops ever nuali's super pragmatic too uh yeah the way that they're always like I think the I think the and if Nuali actually thought this or not, this is what you role played her saying in the moment. You like expressed Nuali's concern for Bell not being able to control themselves around their own oh, yeah. deck. You're like, yes. I think because of that, I think I'd be more comfortable if I had this very dangerous mm -hmm. ring. Oh yeah, absolutely. Even though <laughs> Nuali maybe knew that Bell was never gonna do anything with the ring, because Bell wasn't. Well, it was still the, that unknown, which is interesting. And that's, I think, the thing where Ricarda knew that Kyle as Bell wasn't going to do anything with it, but Nuali really wasn't sure because the mm. deck, like Bell came to Nuali and was like, you need to hold on to the deck of many things. 
it's dangerous and I don't want anyone, even if I ask for it, to get it back. And that was like a whole point of contention too. I think the session beforehand where Belle was like, oh, I need the deck back. And Wally said, no, you can't Which have was, it back. You did, Nuali <laughs> did turn Belle down. I think that was a couple sessions before that. And it was directly after more of Maisie's shenanigans um shenanigans like <laughs> the biggest of all Maisie shenanigans because Maisie had pulled the fates card and was yeah. able to reverse a series yep. of events that led to a lot of death and bell's relationship yep. with death is that it should be final because it's a natural part of life and bell was upset that bell was upset that something that they had introduced into the group mm-hmm. led to such a perversion of the raven queen's vision of death so Belle in that moment was going to try to destroy the deck of many things. Being an idiot, a minus three intelligence character, not realizing they definitely couldn't and probably were only going to hurt themselves trying to yep. put Accidentally it with their sword. Accidentally start pulling cards and just get teleported yeah. into like a gem somewhere. <laughs> For real, yeah. And then it's a whole different thing. So uh, Nuwali, not the most socially apt of the group, but no. probably the... I would say, you know, one of the more, like just we rely on Nuali for intelligence and we rely on Nuali for, when it comes down to it, wisdom. Even though Nuali- Not like, charm. Not charm, but well, <laughs> Nuali's charming in, in her own way. But but when it comes to like charming people or, or just making critical decisions, it's interesting because Nuali sometimes chooses not to be wise, even though when shit hits the fan, Nuali is like, nope, this is what we got to do. And if we don't do it, this is what's going to happen. Let's do it. And then yeah. she teleports. She says the plan yes. teleports. <laughs> yes. I think and I think that's kind of, I've been trying to allow, allow for her to grow because we've been playing it for so long and like over mm-hmm. so many different things. So I think, because I started with her as like not doing that at all. Like she just would not put her foot down. She would like really just be awkward and like not know how to engage with situations. And I think as she's kind of been exposed to having to make more big decisions, She's learning that sometimes she needs to, and sometimes she needs to express how she feels, but she still doesn't feel very good about that. So she just pieces out. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> catch me on the flip side. Gosh, the ability to piece out in a tough situation. I wish I could teleport. Gosh. Yeah, I don't want magical powers to take over the world. I want magical powers to make my social life easier. Yes. Uh, and I don't even want to control people. I just want to be able to escape at a moment's notice. Yeah. <laughs> gone well, bonus excellent. Action too. <laughs> bonus, i want to i want to be able to use a bonus action to to <laughs> escape for those who don't know a bonus action is a minor part of the action economy in dnd 5e uh which i touched on in the glossary for sawyer's episode uh you get an action which is like your major thing you're doing in mm-hmm. that six seconds you get a movement which you move a certain speed and then you get a little bonus action, which only certain things are a bonus action. And then you get something even smaller called an object interaction, which would be like mm. picking something up or putting something down or handing someone something. And then you get to say stuff for free too. You get to do a lot of stuff in six seconds, but if you really think about it, yeah. we do do a lot in six seconds. <laughs> yeah. I always talk about uh, non-optimization and not optimizing my character, but in real life, I'm constantly optimizing my oh, action economy. Of like, even in d and I really like to optimize... I, it's fun. Optimizing it's great. So and fun. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with leaning into it, especially if you're okay on the back end of of like yeah. taking away from something else. It's yeah. like you said, like Nuwali, even though even though she inserts herself, is not the one to rely on for like a tense social situation. <laughs> oh, 
gosh, uh, no. But but it's very important in those snap decisions and is very important when it comes to either A, escaping or B, protecting. Yes. Uh, like important and good at every other aspect of what she does besides the social interactions. And that's fine. Bell's, it's fine. It's fine. And Belle's the same way. <laughs> Belle's super, super persuasive, super charismatic, very strong, not very fast, but not slow either. Uh, so Belle's great at everything except for... Uh, the book smarts just doesn't yeah. know how stuff works and is not very smart. And that's really only because Belle pulled a card that wasn't very, you know, well, supporting her. <laughs> no, not supporting her at all. But okay, <laughs> to, but but to be clear, that uh, before I pulled the idiot card, which lowered Belle's intelligence to a six, which equates to a minus three yeah, modifier. It's, it's real rough. Before that. It was still her dump stat. It was still yeah. her, her but only it was zero, zero, right? Yeah. Was, okay. It, so zero is not. It was. I rolled well when I created Bell. Yeah. So I think my dex is plus one, and everything else is at least plus two. Yeah, that's uh, good. So very good roll. And so my intelligence was plus zero, already my lowest, and just got uh, uh, lowered even more. And I love, I love my, Brutal. you know, and I, it's back up to seven now. So it's only a minus two. Uh, I think it was down to five. Now it's back up to six. Yeah. It's only a minus two now. But back when it was minus three, one of my favorite things to do as a devout paladin of the Raven Queen who prays day and night <laughs> was to roll a religion check, which was a plus three, minus three modifier <laughs> from my proficiency <laughs> to my intelligence. <laughs> so a really, really complicated Brutal. zero. Yeah. <laughs> I love that too. Oh, oh such a good time. <laughs> oh, it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> Good times, good times. And uh, at risk of kind of giving the game away or of taking the stakes out of our home campaign, I guess before we move on from Nawali, I'd love to ask, because we've been playing for so long, mm -hmm. yeah. but there also doesn't seem like we're going to stop because we're just having a blast and Shane oh, just yeah. giving us stuff to do. Yeah. What, what do you like, what do you see for a character that you've spent so much time with that has changed over time, like a real human mm -hmm. being would, what do you see for Nuwali's near and distant future? Near future? What what I what I want or what I kind of hope for her? Um, I, I guess think, both. They're, they're different. Yeah. They're both. Tell me both if you can, if you want. I think I hope that she can kind of, you know, re keep relying on her friends and kind of grow in that way and maybe become a little bit more secure in those relationships and in herself in that same way. Um, yeah what I kind of, you know, want for her is to be, to keep being sneaky. I think I, I've been thinking about layering on a rogue of some sort as, you know, as I level up, but it has to make oh, yeah. sense. I think well, as we leveled up the last time, it just didn't feel like we had just spent so much time at the monastery where she's from and where, you know, she spent all of her time growing up so it didn't feel right to take a level of rogue after spending that much time at the monastery it felt right to take another level of monk but I've been like from a metagaming perspective I've been wanting to kind of go into the rogue territory and play with that a little bit but I think it has to come naturally and it has to make sense so we'll see we'll see I don't have a long game for her I don't know I don't think she wants to go back to so so her backstory is that so Noali is a human, and honestly, 
gonna be honest, the only reason she is a human is that before I had a backstory, I was looking at my stats that I rolled and the human bumped me up plus one and all of my modifiers. You know, that's sometimes the <laughs> real life motivation. Yeah. So I was stuck between a couple of classes, uh, a couple of like races, which, you know, was interesting. And then I was like, well, this one is just statistically the best. So she's a human. But anyway, when she was a child, she, got lost from her parents and wandered into this magical forest and just could not find her way back and she was picked up by wood elves who happened to be a part of that monastery and usually those wood elves would cast spells on people so they would forget whatever happened but she was too too young like we're talking I think she was like I think I said eight or nine in her backstory like she was little so she was too young to just like kind of return into the wild without knowing where she belonged so they kept her and kind of raised her as part of them. So she grew up like amongst a bunch of wood elves in this monastery in the depths of this magical forest protecting this corpse of a fallen god. And I think that's just kind of, you know, what she knew and she felt very safe there and she, but she also was never challenged until she kind of left and ventured out into the world when, you know, the, the corpse of that god was at risk of being resurrected as it's one of like our major plot points that, that yeah. you know in our main campaign so she kind of ventured out to learn more and oh no she didn't she got captured that's right at first I thought oh she'll venture out to find out more but then what Shane actually started with in session one was that they got captured and had like a magical device put in their arm and then had to kind of figure out what that meant and I think that was the first time Noali was like actually challenged in the world and she grew up I mean in this tiny little monastery among these wood elves it was so sheltered in a way because she never experienced anything else and no outsiders were really ever allowed. So I think that's where some of her awkwardness comes from, but also the fact that she kind of enjoys seeing what else is out there and like, you know, solving problems and, and now having her companions. I love the, the need for the multi-class to come from uh, a place that makes sense. Yeah. And I love that you stuck with, you know, Rehearing her backstory, my goodness, I forgot about her parents' lineage and how she got to the monastery. That's fascinating. But being where we're at now, that's just fascinating to rehear. Yeah. And, well, uh, it's never really come up because she's not very like forthcoming with that information. And also, like, she hadn't seen her parents since she was like eight years old. So I don't think she really has a parent figure because no one at the monastery really took that place either. Like, there's no one that she really thinks of as a parent. So I think it's just a lot of, you know, leading and guiding adults, but also elves are so different from humans that it just felt weird to be like, oh, I'm this elf's child now. <laughs> mm, yeah. Interesting. Okay. That's <laughs> so I think a, she's, she grew up in community. It almost reminds me of like, and I don't want to be culturally insensitive here, but it's not this extreme, but it almost reminds me of like a I might be using this term wrong. I'm going to look it up. And if I'm wrong, I'm going to correct myself in the outro. Like a rumspringer of like you're in a, uh, like an Amish uh, community. Oh, and like the young okay. one sets out and like, like Nuwali has brought this upon herself. Now that she's been thrust into the world yeah. by being kidnapped. Now it sounds like the whole social situation, the whole social situation thing is interesting. Like you just want to explore the world and you're just yeah. kind of emotionally poking and prodding at things and seeing how things work and seeing how people yeah. work. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know what? How like like what's the spectrum of reaction if I just appear behind somebody? How are they going to react? 
what's going to happen? Like, what's going to happen? Gonna... It's usually not positive, but I want to know what happened <laughs> after that moment. Yeah. Excellent. And then disappear again. So I'm not the one dealing with it. And then, <laughs> because that has also totally happened where she did that. It didn't go well. And then she disappeared so that Rhaegar at the time had to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> Rygar with his plus one charisma yeah. had to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, uh, like, the, okay, the, I got this, I guess. <laughs> the desperate, the desperate to be good at charisma um, uh, moderator. Uh, yeah, you Noelle really did do that, huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we have we have spoken at length about this, and I feel like we could do another hour on this topic, but I would be remiss if I didn't at least like sneak in my prompt a little bit so we can talk around that. Mm-hmm. As we continue to talk about Nuwali or any other characters that come up for you, but you know the original prompt being what part of your humanity goes into a character you're playing, and that second part being what have you learned from a character that you've played, and so just thinking about a person you've played, a character you've played for so long, and has so many aspects of humanity about them you can pick apart. Yeah, I'd love to know That's your a take. Great on question. It. Yeah, I I don't. No, I'm sure that if I really started to look into it, there would be a lot that I could kind of take apart, but there wasn't one thing that I really wanted to accomplish. I think I built her by looking at what would be fun to play. I oh, yeah. I personally use D&D as kind of like an escapism. Like it's just Absolutely. fun to get out, you know, out of this world and kind of dive into this fantasy world and just have fun with your friends and fun with these new characters. So I actually don't think there's so, and I actually... What I like is that she's quite different from me as a person. She She's very, very different. So I think I didn't really take much from me. I kind of just allowed myself to play with something that I'm not in real life. You know, I'm very open and empathetic as a person. Or I'd say so. Maybe me saying that makes me not those things. You but... <laughs> are empathetic and you are genuine. Yes. And kind. Yeah. And I, I ch- yeah. And I try to be very supportive and, you know, listen to everyone. And Noali is just so weird about those things that it's kind of fun to play the awkwardness and to lean into it and to lean into the inexperience I mean she's a young human who grew up so sheltered that she just genuinely doesn't know how a lot of the things work you know we went to like the capital city and she's like okay let's go see the king what do you mean I can't just walk in there (laughs) like that you know absolutely and and Just a, another tangent real quick. Another example of that Nuwali, a much like less serious example, or I guess a, a much le- a smaller scale example, uh, Nuwali, like, you know, finding out more about Belle's faith with the Raven Queen mm-hmm. and just like sneaking into her little uh, uh, chapel that she has at her keep, that Belle has at her keep, and just trying to chat with the Raven Queen, being like, all right, what's your deal? What's up? And then, like, kind of successfully (laughs) communing a little bit. Like, what the hell was that? Yeah. uh, But also not really sure what to do with it, and then just kind of piecing out again. Uh, Honestly, that that, it's just, it's a very admirable quality of, it allows, it allows everyone around Nuwali to challenge those. It's just like, like, like kind of like zooming out. It challenges the, the, the way things are of like, oh, why can't I just go see the king? Oh, well, because that's not how it works. Why is that (laughs) not how it works? (laughs) Come on. Tell me. It's difficult. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Simplify things, please. Yeah. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Excellent. And I guess to, to speak on my initial prompt, I've realized, and I guess I knew this before I started this podcast, but I've realized that my first prompt kind of sounds like we're doing it on purpose, but 
by no means do I think any of us are are saying, okay, well, this is the part of me that I'm going to play in this character. I think it sometimes is that and sometimes happens naturally. I've heard that, you know, people have have trouble getting away from playing themselves even when they actively try to. So the fact that you've been able to do that is is quite interesting and cool. I think it's just so much fun to kind of lean into those different things and explore it. I don't know, but I do struggle with playing characters whose alignment is difficult for me to understand. Like I, I really struggle to play like an evil character, like maybe mm-hmm. a lawful evil or something. I think it's really intriguing and I definitely want to like play around with it, but I've really shied away from that. All of my characters have been either lawful or chaotic good. Sure. And like, and like even while, yeah, she's chaotic good, right? Like, yeah, whatever she needs or whatever her friends need, but for the good of the group. <laughs> Absolutely. For the, yes, uh, it's, you know, very, like, like very self-preservational, but, but will yeah. jump in to help because the, she knows she has the resources to do so. Yeah. yeah chaotic good's a great, uh, yeah, I absolutely think that, you know, like if you, if you're going to choose one of the nine uh, yeah. or 10, I guess, uh, no, it's nine. If you're choosing one of the nine, that's the one. I've kind of blurred those lines for myself in terms of, like, I think, what do I have written for? I think I have, like, lawful right written for Belle, <laughs> yeah. just in terms of, like, she's not good, but she thinks that she's right. So that yeah. she's, like, like lawful righteous or something like that, which is, yeah. you know, the idea of, like, celestial being good and infernal being evil, but people from hell being kind of chill and people from heaven being a nightmare. Like those, those very objective sort of binaries. And I don't know, I guess the idea of lawful evil, uh, I think Brennan Lee Mulligan commented on this at one point somewhere in some podcast about, you know, the, the pragmatism of a lawful evil character of like taking that self-preservation and dialing it up to 11 of like, you know, like cruelty, chaotic evil is cruelty. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to shoot this person because I can. And yeah. I revel in the despair and grief that i cause where lawful evil is like no i'm gonna do what i need to do for me and i do not give a damn about anything else that i think would be definitely easier for me to play than yes i'm chaotic no i couldn't do it i i have trouble being chaotic good i have trouble being chaotic (laughs) and i'm a little chaotic in my real life but at the table i i'm always trying to control things which Mm. maybe says something else that i need to dive into about myself but but that's fair. Uh, so I guess that's one that's one way that you are similar to Nawali, I suppose, is that at, at yeah. your heart you are, or at least you do your best to be, and you are one of the best people I know, but you make a conscious choice to both take care of yourself and the people you care about. Yeah, I try. Yeah. I do. <laughs> at sometimes, your court, yeah. yeah, sometimes we fall short, but as long as yeah. we keep up, we keep getting up and trying. <laughs> as long as we keep getting up and trying, that's it. I could truly talk for another hour. This I was, know this is really. This I was, was so nervous, and this has been really fun. This was, <laughs> was like, this oh is a blast. God, what am I gonna say? <laughs> and it feels like it feels like we've been talking for ten minutes, but it's been almost an hour. I just saw that. <laughs> yeah, it's been a full, a full hour, which is wild. Gosh, plans for the future. You know, my grandmaster plan, and I don't really want to speak. Oh. You know, it's another podcast that that is close to me, close to my heart. Has a bit called hashtag If It Happens where they don't Love talk it. about an interview that they've scheduled until it's booked, recorded, done. Yeah. And then they can talk about it. So I shy away from talking about anything that hasn't been recorded and put down like in the bucket yet. 
But my grandmaster plan is to have Shane on at some point and then to bring all four of us together for that would be what so I can, fun. For, yeah, it would be it's I, I can only assume chaos. it would be absolute chaos. The four of our little talking heads in a zoom, like uh, yeah, truly, truly, I cannot wait. I'm also scared for what that's gonna be. Yeah, usually I'm scared for Shane. I would be scared for you in that situation. <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm probably going to release it as a bonus episode of some kind. Yeah. So it's going to be like, cool, I'm just going to let us rip for 45 minutes. And then <laughs> if it's legible, like emotionally legible, I'll release it for the public. And that's that's that. And if not, we at least have a good legible. time. Oh, a thousand percent. <laughs> I'm so down A little that. tiny bit digestible. It can't be 45 <laughs> minutes of anger and inside jokes. If it's anything more than that, I'll so release it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which who knows it might be but thank you so much for coming on and and chatting i know mostly about our home game we have so much other stuff that we can be speaking about but uh i suppose we might just have to do this again soon. I, hey you know where to find me it was Excellent. really fun thank you for having me i really appreciate it absolutely holy smokes folks Ricardo and I could have probably done another hour on that episode and we would not have run out of stuff to talk about. Seriously, there's so much. And, you know, if you want more Ricardo Eichenberg in your life, you're just going to have to wait and listen to the show. That's all I've got for you. I do want to reminisce real quick about our characters' names in our very first campaign. Well, my very first campaign, the one ran by Fiona, guest of the Character Build Episode 3. My character's name was Raul the Wicked Professional, and hers was Bitta Killa, or I think just Bitta. And either way, Wicked Professional and Bitta Killa both came from three or four diluted rounds into the Wu-Tang Clan name generator that Childish Gambino, a.k.a. Donald Glover, used to get his moniker. So that's just one of the few absolutely chaotic things that happened, truly in Session Zero, right off the bat. So, <laughs> just chuckling to myself about that. Uh, and the fact that we didn't even get to talk to Ricarda about the heist, the 10-round heist that she pulled all by herself as Bitta for Fiona's campaign that we teased at the end of Fiona's episode. But again, I guess that just means we're going to have to have her back on. Thanks so much for listening. We can't wait to see you again.